Mac Jones is ripped. Matt Patricia is calling plays. The Celtics are title favorites. And The Ringer has a new Boston show. I'm Brian Barrett, host of Off the Pike, the show covering all things Boston sports. I'll have shows multiple times a week covering your favorite teams and with your favorite Ringer and local guests. Plus, maybe Bill will stop by to rant about the Sox. Follow Off the Pike with me, Brian Barrett, now on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game, no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Because you are a fighter, and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodello.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome to the Scramble. I'm Shield Kapadia coming to you on the Ringer NFL feed every Thursday with a guest. And today we get my friend. I don't know. You're like a, you're like a Scramble regular, I feel like. Uh, <laughs> D- Danny Kelly, the Ringer's own, joining me. DK, how are we doing? Uh, doing excellent. Thank you for having me back again. I love the show. Uh, big fan of you. So let's do this. I'm excited. <laughs> This is, uh, you, you know, there's not many things I love more than fake trades. I mean, you know, the <laughs> the NBA people, they get yeah. to do it to like a higher level than we get to do it because there's just not as many trades in the yeah. NFL, though I feel yeah. like it sort of picked up last offseason. So maybe that will be the start of a trend. But we've got the in-season deadline approaching in mm-hmm. 11 days, November 1st at 4 p.m. I mean, we already got the Robbie Anderson blockbuster. I don't know oh, how that didn't, you know, that should have led. Yeah, we should have, <laughs> we, we should have done an in-person pod or something uh, for that one, but there's going to be more to come. And so I have come up with five fake trades that I think make sense for yeah. both sides. Some of them are more uh, on the fence about. I tried to come up with the right compensation, the right fit, the right player, motivations, all that. And so I'm going to run through those five to Danny Kelly, and he's going to tell me if I'm nuts, if they're stupid, if they're great, if he wishes I put a player on another team, whatever <laughs> his thoughts are, yeah. we're going to go through those five. And then, of course, as always, we will end with a mailbag. All right. Let, let's still get started with the one with the most juice. You know, we don't need to tease it and, and make people wait till like the middle of the episode. Christian McCaffrey is the name that yeah. seems to be buzzing about quite a bit. I was trying to think, where do I want to send him? I've got Christian McCaffrey to the Los Angeles <laughs> Rams, baby. Yeah. For a second and a third. And I, I made the third one of those conditional thirds. Right. Like if he hit, hits a cer- certain mile benchmarks, then that can turn into a second. So if you're the Panthers, you're maybe getting two seconds. At the very worst, you're getting a second and a third. What was your reaction when I sent you that trade this morning? My first reaction, uh, pardon my French, but fuck them picks, right? <laughs> like that's the main thing with the Rams. They are, they came into the season, the ringer, by the way, this is a good plug, did a all index prior to the season, which talked about how like leverage teams are to win it all this year, like how much their their cap is going into the season, how much um, they've traded future picks for this year. And the number one team in the NFL is the Rams. They're leveraged to the hilt um, in terms of, you know, they just want to win this year. And I think 
obviously a lot of things have gone wrong for them this season. There's been injuries on the offensive line. The offensive line hasn't been playing as well as it had last year. You know, Stafford hasn't been as good. But I do think this is exactly the type of move the Rams make. This is their philosophy. This is their style. This is what they do. So I'm in. I like this. I think actually it's it's one of those trades where you're not giving up a first round pick, which is key. And I don't think team, I, I can't see any team giving up a first round pick for McCaffrey. Can you? Well, yeah. I mean, there was the report that said multiple firsts. And I, I just said, yeah. we, we we did a Ringer's Philly special episode, Solak and I, and there was a question about, you know, how about the Eagles with McCaffrey? And I, I said there, so I guess I'll say it here. If, if a team gives up multiple first round picks for Christian McCaffrey, uh, I'm going to let the listeners choose a deodorant that I have to wear <laughs> for a f- full month because we have a lot yeah. of deodorant talk on that podcast. So And I'll give that to the Scramble audience too. You guys, you know, if you go to CVS <laughs> and you take the tops off and you're smelling some of those and going, who would wear this? That's You can pick that one and I'll have to wear it for a full <laughs> like month. That. So a first, I mean, one first if you're picking late in the round. Yeah, very get, late. Yeah, it's not like I, I wouldn't, be like, I'm not going to do the deodorant thing for one first, but I, I agree with you. I, yeah. I don't see it. I don't think that's likely. No. Two seconds, though. I think you can talk yourself into it, particularly with the type of player that McCaffrey is in both the run game and the pass game. The Rams, to me, desperately need like a second weapon in this offense. Yes. It's all Cooper Cup right now. You know, I mean, I think Stafford is going to Cooper Cup on his first read at a higher rate than any other quarterback is going to any other receiver in the league, oh. uh, which is not too surprising. Um, you know, he's just depending on Cooper Cup. And with the way that the offensive line has been underperforming, um, I think that McCaffrey could help in terms of like dump off screenplays, get their screen game going. They have gotten absolutely nothing from their running backs this year. And I'm not saying that running backs, I've, I've been a long believer, like running backs aren't going to move the needle all that much, but like getting a guy like McCaffrey um, will take some pressure off of Stafford, I think. And I think they need to do something like that. So do I think that the trade makes long-term sense for the Rams? Probably not, but that's not how they think. Like, this is just not how they operate. So, yeah, I'm in. Go for it. Yeah, so the other numbers with uh, McCaffrey's got 670 yards from scrimmage. That ranks fourth uh, league-wide. So, like you said, it's not just a running back, although he absolutely would be a huge upgrade for them just in the run game if he didn't even play passing downs. But then you think about the possibilities with, like, McVay and then McCaffrey and mismatches in the passing game. And I'm with you. Yeah, they just feel like they need some juice, you know? They don't have a lot of juice on offense. And you're probably right, like, the... Smart football move for them would probably be like, you know, forget about McCaffrey. Like, let's get some offensive linemen in here who can play. But if they convince themselves, hey, we might get a little bit healthier. We have some guys who haven't played a lot. And also it's what's available to you. Like every team needs offense, not every team, but most teams need offensive line help. And there's just not enough guys to Where go are they going to find that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you're not going to find like the offensive lineman of Christian McCaffrey and be able to trade for him here. So uh, I feel like they could figure it out. I mean, McCaffrey and Cop, I always think about like a defensive coordinator on a Monday or Tuesday when they're game planning. Are they like nervous or are they like, oh my God, this team, they've got no, no one I need to worry about. And if it's McCaffrey and Cup, and now like Robinson and Higby are your, you know, your third and fourth, right. um, then it's a little bit different than what they have right now. So the risk with McCaffrey, I mean, he played 10 games the previous two seasons. The contract's interesting because this year it's cheap. Like that, you know, people are probably saying, how can the Rams afford McCaffrey? I mean, he's due like no money this year. You're, you're paying him $575,000 for the rest of this season. Now, 
He's signed through 2025, and that price goes up to about $12 million per year. But it goes to what you said. I mean, if he plays well this year and is awesome for them and keys their offense, then they can be like, yeah, $12 million. You're paying him like a top 10 running back. We can figure out the rest. Uh, it's not that big of a deal. So uh, I like that one. Yeah, for McCaffrey, you, you kind of have to think about which team would sort of be... I don't know if like crazy enough is the right way to phrase it. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Which team would be like, yeah, we'll give up draft compensation for him. Here are the other teams I wrote down as potential McCaffrey suitors. Let me know if you like any of these better than the Rams. I had the Bills, the Ravens, I thought. I was, uh, that mm. kind of got me. Ooh, the Ravens. Lamar and McCaffrey is interesting to me. Uh, the Chiefs, the Eagles. How about the Bucks? What if the Bucks were like, shoot, we got to do something. Brady is just so mad right, right now. Uh, right. Let's add, let's add McCaffrey uh, and the 49ers. Uh, that, that was just, I, I basically went through the list of every team. And if anyone, I was kind of like, ooh, that's interesting. I wrote them down. Yeah, that's a tough one. I would say with the Ravens, to me, it's just like you're not getting enough bang for your buck if you get McCaffrey because Lamar's just not a check down guy to the running backs. He's not going to get true. running backs is involved in the offense. And you could say the same, I guess, about the Bills. Because, you know, Josh Allen historically is just like, I'm going to take off and run. And versus, the Eagles. Yeah, yeah a good same point. deal, the, same deal. The running quarterbacks there, yeah, the scrambling is their check down. So th- those are all good points. But at the same time, I mean, I'm looking at the ru- the rate of passes that go to running backs this year. And Stafford's like near the, almost at the bottom of the list. I think that's probably more like a talent issue than like a scheme issue. Because in the past we've seen you know, McVay's offenses are very good in the, in the screen game and all that. So maybe, you know, maybe that's just a, like a moot point. Like if you have McCaffrey, any of these teams are going to get him involved in the pass game. Um, but to me, the, the one obviously that stands out the most is the Bills because, you know, to me, that'd be a huge, huge upgrade over everything they've got. Not Nothing against Singletary, but like McCaffrey's just so good in all phases of the game. He's so explosive. Um, and to give that offense another just like weapon on the ground and in the air, uh, would just be kind of absurd. So that one to me stuck out, stuck out. But I, I don't like. I don't really buy the 49ers ones. Like they cycle through running backs so quickly. Yeah. Um. I don't buy the Bucks just because they have Fournette and then they uh, drafted a guy in the third round, Rashad White, who you know has looked pretty good at times. So I don't know if like they are going to see that as like a solution. So, um. Yeah. The, to me, the Bills or the Rams make a lot of sense. Yeah, the Bills, that would be just, uh, that would really be an FM picks type move. And I feel like <laughs> yeah. they're not in that mode. You know, they got more aggressive with the Von Miller signing in the offseason. But I know, I feel like Bean sort of wants to pick his spots there where this, that would be a really aggressive move. But man, McCaffrey, Diggs, Gabe Davis, and Josh Allen. I mean, that would be, that would be pretty fun. All right. So we're on board. We'll see if the, uh, if the Rams make it happen. All right. Trade number two, David Montgomery to the Eagles for a fifth Mm. round pick. What do you think? Interesting. So my first question would be, since you mentioned the Eagles with McCaffrey too, do you think that Eagles need a running back? They they need running back help? Well, I think it would sort of be an insurance move. I mean, I think Miles Mm -hmm. Sanders has played pretty well. His numbers are really good. I would say his film is a little more up and down than his numbers. I mean, it's the most, it's the best spot for a running back in the NFL, I think. It's It's a great offensive line. You have the threat of Jalen Hurts as a runner. I mean, the film was really interesting last week against the Cowboys where they would have these zone reads where they're just freezing that edge defense. It's not even for a long time. Like, it's so subtle. It's mm-hmm. like half a second, maybe under half a second. And that just opens up space. They, they ran it on like third and two, third and four, and you picked up the first down. And so uh, I thought Miles Sanders played really well in that game. They've got Gainwell. 
I don't know that like like they haven't trusted Miles Sanders on third down a lot this year, and so Gaidenwell's kind of been the third down guy. So if they're just like, hey, uh, let's add some insurance. You know, Sanders is a free agent at the end of the year. Maybe this could be someone we could uh, think about signing. That kind of thing, and he's a different type of back. You know, M- Montgomery is more like big, reliable, punishing. He's been good Tackle in uh, breaker. yeah yards after contact. I think he's thirteenth uh, this year. So. As I was thinking about, you know, Howie Roseman and they're six and zero, and they probably feel like they can win the Super Bowl. I feel like they're going to do something. Maybe it'll come on the defensive side of the ball. But I do think it's possible that they add a guy, not necessarily to replace Miles Sanders, but to just be like, we run the ball a lot. Let's make sure we're, yeah. we're covered there, and Sanders doesn't go down. And now all of a sudden it's December or the playoffs, and it's Kenny Gainwell and Boston Scott only. Yeah, I that my first reaction was like, oh, I didn't really peg the Eagles as a target for a running back, but when I thought about it more, and and you look at the you look at the numbers. So obviously Jalen Hurts is one of the highest volume running quarterbacks in the NFL, but still, they're averaging 38 runs per game almost. That's first in the NFL. The, the foundation of their offense is still the run game. I know we've talked yeah. about how great AJ Brown has been, how great Devontae Smith has been. You know, Goddard has been awesome this year. Um but they're still running the ball. They're still that's like the foundation of their offense. They still want to be able to lean on that. Um, you know, that was a, what a big reason that they were so good last year, or like played, I guess, above expectation last year. So, you know, obviously with all the Jalen Hurts, the improvement in the passing game, they still want to run the ball. 53% rush rate, which is third highest in the NFL. And you mentioned it. This is a good insurance policy. Sanders has missed at least four games in the past two seasons. He's not mm-hmm. necessarily been the model of you know, reliability and health. And so getting a guy like David Montgomery come in, he breaks tackles. He's not super explosive, but he does bring, you know, I, the physicality and like intensity that I'm guessing they probably want to add. I wouldn't put yeah. Miles Sanders in that same category, by the way. I don't know. How, how would you see, right. see him? Yeah, no, I think you're right. It's a good compliment. Sanders, mm-hmm. there when he doesn't play well, there are like there's film of offensive linemen being like, why didn't he go to where the play we blocked the <laughs> yeah. play for? But at yeah. the same time, I mean, he's made a lot. He's I think he's improved in that area for sure. And he mm-hmm. is explosive and he can, you know, break off a 20 yard run, whereas Montgomery is probably more of kind of the grinder, right. um, you know, who can handle a heavier workload. So I sort of like how the two, you know, maybe have certain run. They have such a diverse run game that maybe it's like, hey, these schemes, this guy's really good at these schemes. Yep. This guy's really good at just. Just kind of uh, put them both out there when we want to. Let them share the workload so that they're both fresh in December, in January, and then you have insurance in case one guy uh, goes down with an injury. The the other teams I had down for possibly Montgomery were the Bills again. You know, if they just kind of want to add, add somebody else there. How about the Ra- the Ravens for uh, Montgomery? Now I'm saying this: Kenyon Drake looked really good last week. I know, right? right? Did you? Yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe I'm giving the maybe I'm unfairly giving the Ravens a uh, back. Uh, the Chiefs, I thought maybe. I mean, I know you that know, would Edwards make a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, that could be a good one. And then I guess if the Rams can't get McCaffrey and are just like we want a reliable uh, running back because their run game stinks, that um, he could be an option for yeah. them there. And the fifth rounder seems like a good price. I mean, honestly. He's not going to resign, I would assume, in Chicago. It seems like right. Chicago is in that in the midst of, you know, basically a rebuild season and rebuild year. Even though they have won a couple of games this year, I don't think that the leadership, the like, I don't think they're delusional in that think in thinking that they're like a good team, right? Like, no, they're not approaching this season it, on the all index. You know, the thing that I mentioned earlier, like, you yeah. know, they're definitely playing for twenty twenty three and beyond. Like, they're basically putting all their cap into future years they have they want to have a ton of flexibility so trading Montgomery now 
you know, would at least net them something. And I don't think he's going to get necessarily a huge contract in free agency and net them a comp pick. Plus, by the way, right. you, they're probably going to be signing free agents in, in you know, because that's what they're saving a lot of their cap. So they may not get anything for him for a comp pick, depending on what their plans are for 2023. So and and Khalil Herbert's been good. So it's not, you know, you're not like totally. decimating your team. Like he looks yeah. really good. So yeah. they've got somebody there who can step in um, and fill a heavier workload. All right. Number three. I'm trying to think, is this my favorite one? This this might be my uh this might be my favorite one. When I got to it, I'm like, oh yeah, that fits. Chase Claypool to the Chiefs for a second round pick. Now I'll tell you what I struggled with more. I struggled less with the Chiefs on this and more with the Steelers. Mm. Does it make sense for them? What what do you think from both sides or that fit there? I love this for the Chiefs. I, I, so Anytime you say Chiefs and trade and a receiver, like your <laughs> like the ears are going to perk up a little bit. And I think Chase, Chase Claypool is one of those guys where um, it's hard to kind of figure out what he is because as a rookie, obviously he was very good, and he he like whether it was just his raw numbers, his touchdowns, or if you dig deeper in some of like the reception perception stuff, Matt Harmon does like he everything looked really good for his route running. Um, basically, you know, he just looked like a dynamic up and coming player as a as a rookie. And then everything kind of fell apart as a sophomore, you know, second season in the league. He just wasn't as good. They kind of like didn't seem to trust him as much, clearly. Uh, you know, he had a couple of boneheaded plays. He, he got in trouble yeah. with the, you know, kind of got on the bat in the doghouse or whatever, just because that, especially, I think in particular, the signaling for a first down when they're trying to like run the hurry up offense. That made him one of my favorite players. <laughs> I love it. Fantastic and, uh, job out of him. <laughs> so, you know, I think maybe he's worn out as welcome. And then, or, you know, at least like made that put him on the potential to be traded kind of like block or whatever. And then they have, and they're always so good. The Steelers are always so good at identifying and, and drafting receiver talent. They got, you know, Pickens in the draft this year, and he looks like he's right. going to be a future superstar. So um, to me, this makes a lot of sense for the Steelers, who, again, they just have like a lot of good depth and they've always been able to like, I think, refill the coffers there. So, to me, that makes sense for them, especially for a second, which is, I think, what they paid for him, right? Like, he was a second rounder a couple yeah. of years ago. So, um, to me, that makes sense. And then, and then for the Chiefs, like, the Chiefs' offense has been very different than it was last year. You know, they're much more matriculate down the field. The big plays are down. Um, they are passing to receivers far less. I, I saw this. They are 29th right now. in the percentage of throws that go to receivers this year, less than half, 46%. Um, that's a big drop from last year, 10% drop. Uh, obviously, you know, Tyree Kill leaving is going to be a big major reason for that. But like they're passing to the running backs, they're passing to tight ends, of course. And receivers have been sort of like the tertiary option, it seems like, in yeah. this offense. So getting another guy that can kind of come in and make big plays, go down the field. Um, he's pretty hit or miss at the catch point, but you know, he's got the size, he's got the physicality, he's 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 still an ascending player, I do think. And so this makes a lot of sense to me. And in particular, because I'm not a big believer in either MVS or Juju or McCall Hartman. So like to me, he's an upgrade over all three of those guys. And I like his sort of fit with those guys. You know, like whether yeah. you like uh, Hardman or MBS, like, all right, those are field stretchers. They can get down the field. Juju is almost like, a, you know, slot inside the numbers, toughness. And like you said, Claypool can kind of do a little bit of everything. I mean, that rookie season, I remember they were running like jet sweeps to him yep. in the red zone and stuff. And he looked really good. And he's such a big physical guy uh, to add to that group 
with Kelsey that I was just like, even on those scramble drill plays with Mahomes or you got to totally. get the ball out quickly or red zone, like high leverage situations. I feel like he would solve, not that they have problems. I mean, an EPA per drive, they're by far the best <laughs> offense in the I know, NFL. That's, that's the it's interesting crazy. part is like their offense yeah. is still ridiculously good. Yes. But. Yeah, it's different. Like you said, it's, um, it, yeah, it feels like this happens every year. Right? You'll look at a couple, I, at least for me, I'll like, They'll have an offensive performance where I'm like, okay, that was okay. Let me uh, go to the numbers. And it's like, oh, yeah, they're still the best offense uh, <laughs> in the NFL. But you know what? To play, if, if they're looking ahead and after that Bills game, like basically you just have to build the biggest, baddest offense you can and not have any drives where you turn it over or have a three and out. I mean, you can you can build up the defense, but are you really going to do enough to stop that Bills offense? No, probably not. So to me, it makes sense from that aspect. The reason I, I had a second round pick here, which might sound high, to right. some people, Claypool's on a rookie contract and he signed through 2023 next season with no guaranteed money. And so like, th- think about what Christian Kirk got this offseason. you know, like, yeah, Great you can point. draft, you can draft somebody for sure. But if you're trading for him, you are getting a really inexpensive quality starting caliber wide receiver for not a lot of money. And so even if you're looking at it from the Steelers perspective, like they've got to be motivated to move him. You know, if it's like a third or fourth round pick and I'm the Steelers, I'm like, no, thanks. Like he still plays for us. He was really good uh, last week against the Bucs. But if you can get to a price where they say, all right, we've got Deontay Johnson. We've got George Pickens. We draft an awesome wide receiver every year. We're not winning the Super Bowl this year uh, or next year. Probably we can get extra draft capital, um, which we need some other help on the roster. Maybe it makes sense. So uh, I don't know what that that compensation could be right. It could be totally wrong. He was a hard one to sort of peg there, but I was trying to find that happy medium between what would a team be willing to give up and what would motivate the Steelers enough. I think, yeah, it's tough because you're totally right to bring that up. I mean, the, the run on receiver talent is so high. And like you said, He's very cheap because like I, I, like my first thought was like, oh, Amari Cooper was traded for a fifth rounder. But like a big part yeah. of that was his contract. Right. And, you know, someone's got to take on that big deal. And with a guy like Claypool, you got him under contract for two years um, at a very good, like very, very low number. And so that gives you tons of cap flexibility going forward. And maybe you still believe that he is more the guy that you saw as a rookie. Like uh, he looked to me like a future star, honestly. Yeah, I as agree. a rookie. Um, and I keep going back to this. I know it's not everything. And I know that, you know, there's a lot of other things that go into playing the receiver position, but I still can't forget that as a, at the combine, Claypool ran, uh, the 40 at 442 at 238 pounds. The only other receiver that was 230 plus to run the 40 at that fast, Calvin Johnson. Like this is the athleticism. He's an elite, elite, elite tier athlete. So, you know, and the chiefs have liked athletes in the past. So, Maybe this is a guy that they see that they can develop over the years and and um, be like a big part of their offense going forward and not just sort of like a short-term rental. Yeah, even even last year with Roethlisberger, I remember being surprised by the numbers because I was like, oh, he didn't do anything this year. And like just the catch and the yardage numbers weren't as much of a drop-off as I thought they were going to be from his rookie season. Like I, I think he still had over 700 yards. He had mm-hmm. like 860 as a rookie, but he averaged, I couldn't believe this, he averaged 14.6 yards per reception with Roethlisberger last year. Like, yeah. Upgrade yeah. to Mahomes and it's like, ooh, you know, it, it actually could be really, really um, interesting and there could be really good value there for the Chiefs. 
Chiefs. Yeah, and then he was like, to me, he looked better than Juju when they were playing on the same team. So I agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> no, that, yeah, certainly more like a yeah explosive or like a big play guy. Yeah, it wasn't right. even a contest between uh, those two guys. The other teams I had written down potentially for Claypool. Tell me if you like any of these more. Mm-hmm. The the Packers, of course. Yep. Yep. Uh, the Colts, the Chargers, Ooh, interesting. The Rams and the Ravens. Uh, from that group. I actually love the the Ravens fit. Now they're in the same division. I know they've made trades before. So at first I was like, don't include the Ravens. But I'm like, they tr- they've made trades before, you know. So um, I was like, oh, Claypool in that offense, you know, he's going to be big and physical, gives them kind of just another option at various levels of the field. Now, all of a sudden, if it's Claypool, Bateman and Mark Andrews, now I'm like, hey, that, that's not a bad, you know, trio to throw to uh, what about you you like any of those other fits? oh the ravens one is definitely very interesting um just thinking about it too and like the, stylistically i remember a couple of years ago i think it was maybe the year before they before uh claypool came out in the draft they drafted miles boykin who yes. was a big notre dame receiver with elite measurables <laughs> right and so he, he kind of fits in that mold obviously boykin didn't work out but um yeah to me this is the, you know the ravens certainly i think need a little bit more firepower in their passing game um, especially with Bateman battling a foot injury. I mean, it sounds like he's going to come back pretty soon, but still, you know, when you're running out an offense, pass offense with, uh, you know, Tyler Marcus Robinson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like all these. Demarcus Robinson is like sort of their number one receiver right now. Obviously, yeah. that's not a great thing because he was, you know, just a afterthought more or less in the in the uh, Chiefs offense. Was he? Did he go anywhere in between? I can't even remember. Um, I can't remember. But uh, yes, like I, I think that makes a lot of sense for them. Get them a little more depth. Again, you're right. Like you look around the league and the teams with the best and most consistent offenses are the teams with elite talent at receiver. And I know that Mark Andrews is the number one guy there and he'll, he'll continue to be that. But um, yeah, I think that that Lamar could definitely use more help. They traded away Marquise Brown. We saw how good Marquise Marquise was legitimately one of the best receivers in the NFL playing through the great, first six yeah. weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, from the fantasy point of view, which is what I pay attention to closely, like he was outscoring some like of the most major names in fantasy through the first like six weeks. Obviously, it's a bummer he got hurt. Um, Like, yeah, but like, I believe he was like even ahead of like guys like Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase through like six weeks. So that's fantasy. So that's a little different. But But he was making like highlight level catches. Like, yeah, it wasn't like fluky. We're like, oh, wow, he's really kind of helping their offense. Yeah, it would have been fun to see him with uh, Hopkins back, but it looks like we're not going to get to see that but all right i've got two more these are not as exciting but uh <laughs> not as sexy <laughs> not a, okay not as exciting the names but it still could make sense i think all right kendrick Bourne mm. to the green bay, green bay packers for a fourth round pick maybe it's a maybe it's a fifth that turns into a fourth if he right. hits certain requirements but that's the range we're talking about fourth or fifth round pick Bourne had 800. Bourne is just one of those classic Patriots. What the you know? What is going on here? What happened here? Uh, type situations. He had 800 receiving yards last season. Averaged 14.5 yards per reception. Ranked 13th out of 113 players in yards per route run. Like one of the most efficient wide receivers in the NFL. And this year, 11 catches, 156 yards. He's run 73 total routes which is fourth on the Patriots. I'm sure you guys have been talking, you were talking about him in fantasy before the season. And now I I don't know what's going on with him there, but I feel like the Packers could use an upgrade and he could be fun on their team. Yeah, to me, this is funny. Can you imagine being a Packers fan listening to this right now and talking about Claypool going to the Chiefs and then we get Kendrick (laughs) Bourne? Like, screw you guys. 
Um, I do really like the idea of Claypool on the Packers, by the way. I think that would be a yeah, lot of fun. That's a good, me it, too. I like that one too. Yeah. I was just, but I'm like, but then I'm like, are they going to give up a second round pick for a wide receiver? Like, play? No, I, I, I couldn't probably get there not. with them, but I agree with you in terms of fit. Yeah. That would be awesome for them. Yeah. Um, but sticking with this though, I do think honestly, he'd be a nice fit with the Packers. I think, you know, he brings the veteranosity that I like to say to oh, like uh, the that. position. Obviously, uh, Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is kind of particular, kind of. <laughs> Kind of particular with his receivers. He tends to, uh, you know, have his favorites and then stick with those guys, whether they're good or not. Um, and so I, I'm just looking at the the Packers depth chart. Obviously, uh, Romeo Dobbs has played very well this year. And he looks like he, a potential future like star for them. But at the end of the day, he's a rookie. He's got a little, like, ha- has had some issues with drops. You know, maybe he's not always in the right place at the exact right time. There's still, like, chemistry issues, I think, with that Rodgers is probably... Um, you know, gonna get frustrated with it, or at least like there's gonna be growing pains there. Um, and so getting a guy like Bourne opposite Lazard would make a ton of sense for them and it would come on the cheap. And so, um, I, I don't have it in front of me, but like you mentioned, the yards per route run, I think it was over two yards per route run in 2021, which is like right. sort of like the benchmark for like this is an elite receiver right. kind of deal. Um, and so, yeah, he to me, he's like. Honestly, like I had to go back and watch some of his tape from last year because I'm like, I don't even actually remember what this guy's all about because <laughs> he's so underrated and he's so just sort of a forgotten man. But like you said, he's yeah. a good player. He also brings a little bit of yards after the catch abilities, like kind of got that sneaky, yes. um, you know, creativity after the catch. So to me, this makes a ton of sense. I would way rather have him in there than like a guy like Sammy Watkins. It doesn't seem like they're going to be able to rely much on Christian Watson, Watson to do anything this year. That was their second round pick from the season. He's been battling injuries and you know, for better or for worse, he's like raw. Like he, they've been using him on like end arounds and like sweeps and stuff. Like they haven't really gotten him too involved in the in the right. offense. So, to me, this is a logical move. I'd probably be happier if I was a Packer fan if it was a fifth round pick, like you said, a conditional fifth rather than the fourth. I, I balked a little bit at the fourth, but when you dig a little deeper and look at some of his stats, he's still I think twenty seven. So he's not like an old an old guy or whatever, and so there's some still some like you know meat on the bone for him to develop into a good player for them longer term. Uh, to me, this is like you know fourth and fifth round picks, just it's like nothing. You're, yeah, you're right. The competition was hard on this. Like if you told me it was like a sixth or a seventh, that wouldn't shock me because he's not playing for them. I mean, they obviously have no use yeah. for. Uh, what I don't is know the deal with them? Like what what did he? I would I'd be very curious as to what he did. Yeah, the only two things I and I was reading up uh, preparing for this, there was something about how he missed a team meeting like in the preseason, which it's like, I don't know, oh, is that going to be yeah, enough? You're never not... coming back. Never coming back from that. <laughs> so there, there was that. And then there is this, actually, this one might be more important. He's had some kind of toe injury. So that's the hard thing when you're trading for oh, these players. Like okay. if that's a legit injury and something that's slowing him down, then obviously you don't want to make that trade uh, if you're another team like the Packers. But I mean, we've seen this with the with the Patriots. If you're another team, it's probably tricky because you're just like, you have no idea. I mean, the information's not getting out like it would yeah. on other teams. And you're like, they might have just, they might just be annoyed with him for some reason. They got Matt Patricia on offense. We know that's happened with him before with a player where they're just in his doghouse. So it might be worth uh, taking a flyer. The salary thing, it's not exactly like Claypool, but still, you know, Bourne signed a deal with the Patriots before last season. And so he's making three and a half mil this year and 4.75 million next year. So again, compare that to some of the wide receiver salaries we've seen. If you think he's a starting caliber player, that's a really nice value for a player who's not old, um, who could potentially fit your offense. You know, he was with the Niners, so 
Niners and then LaFleur, like there are obviously similarities, not that they're exactly the same, but similarities right. with those schemes where that makes sense. it could make sense. The other thing I love, I-, I wasn't sure how much he had played in the slot and outside. I-, I thought he was mostly a slot guy, but I was looking up last year. He had over 500 yards on the outside last year. Uh, and 261 in the slot. And I think with the 49ers, he was more in the slot. So that versatility could be nice as well. So yeah, the Again, if he's on the 49ers, remember yards after the catch, that's what they that's love. That's right. Yes. 100%, so yeah, I, so. I, I agree. I like this one. It wouldn't be like a sexy move, but it probably would be an effective one. And honestly, the yeah. other thing I was thinking about, like you never can really tell what the Patriots, like they might just give him away for like a seventh round pick. You know right. what I mean? If like, they have no use They trade for some him, of their starters like, for like fifth rounders, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Could be. All right. Last one. This this is just like a personal sort of pet project where I'm like, am I the only person who thinks this player is good? Because like, why? <laughs> what what is going on with him? I've got Darius Slayton, Giants wide receiver. For those of mm-hmm. you going, wh- who are you t- even talking about right now? Uh, Darius Slayton to the Ravens for a conditional sixth round pick. Uh, I would love to get your take. On this one, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's because I covered like the Eagles, and there were games where Slayton was lighting them up. But then I watched that London game a couple of weeks ago, and I'm going, look at this guy. He yep. looks like a good starting caliber wide receiver. He had over 700 yards his first two seasons in the league, 2019 and 2020. He's only 25 years old. He had that game against the Packers uh, two weeks ago, where he had six catches for 79 yards. It was the best game by a Giants wide receiver this season. But they obviously do not like this guy for whatever right. <laughs> whatever reason. There were the reports in the summer that they might just cut him. He's run 70 routes this season. That's seventh on the team behind guys like David Sills and Tanner Hudson. Sills and Hudson are running more routes than Darius Slayton, who's had over 700 yards twice uh, in the NFL. So this one would be a half-season rental. He's a free agent at the end of the season. Uh, not expensive, but, you know, so that's why I had a sixth, you know, sixth or seventh round pick maybe for him. If you're the Ravens, you add another pass catcher. Uh, I don't know how much Darius Slayton film you've been grinding or if you have a strong opinion or if I'm nuts, <laughs> but I just feel like he looks like he should be a guy who plays most Sundays and could catch some footballs. No, I mean, you're speaking my language. I think I said it. I don't know the verbatim quote, but I was like, I don't understand why the Giants don't like this guy. I said this on, yes. our, on the fantasy football pod the other day. Um, to me, he's always been a guy who's outplayed his draft position. He was a fifth rounder. He came in immediately. He was scoring touchdowns for the Giants his first year. Um, I mean, again, not that not that athleticism is everything, but this is a four three nine guy. He has a four. He got a forty inch vert, eleven foot broad jump. He's he's twitchy. He's fast. He's very very athletic, and you know, getting some additional team speed never seems to hurt anything. And um, you know, obviously, like we talked about earlier with with Claypool, it's like having just more weaponry for Lamar Jackson. Um, just is it going to be a good thing? He has a career fourteen point three air yards per target. He's a deep threat. He can take the top off a defense. Um, he can stretch the defense out. He can be like a legit, actual deep threat for a team that, generally speaking, like attacks the middle of the field, is like very concentrated in that runs ball a lot. If you can stretch the defense out, make them cover more of the field, and have more respect for that outside shot, um, I can't think. I don't think that would hurt. So, yeah, I'm, I've I've been sort of a Slayton stand like quietly, not like not like I love the guy. I don't think he's like a superstar in hiding or whatever. But like he's just. One of those solid receivers, and I don't understand. Again, I really don't understand 
why guys like David Sills or whoever Hudson or what was it Tanner Hudson? I don't even honestly. Yeah, know that. Tanner, I don't even know I who look, that is. T- Tanner Hudson, me neither. I'm like, okay, <laughs> Tanner Hudson getting more yeah. uh, routes than uh, Darius Slayton. I don't know if we can. I don't know if Slayton Hive, if it's popular enough where we yeah. would like get <laughs> yeah. necessarily get that trending. But hey, it has two members. It has me. It has Danny Kelly. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, it's not. It shouldn't take much to get the guy. I mean, they don't play him unless they're just like, right. well, we need to field some wide receivers and all our guys are injured. And so we can't uh, give him up here, but even what a team like Slayton, the, what about Slayton to the chargers? Okay. Yeah. I like that. Add some speed element. Yeah. yeah. I like that. I have him with uh, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. I'm in. That would right. be uh, more. <laughs> what about a team like the Colts? Like, how do you just not trade for Darius Slayton? Right. Right. Like, what are you doing? I mean, they, yeah, they've got no depth <laughs> at receiver right now. I think Ashton Doolin there, was their depth, and he's injured at least at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. Pierce I mean, Paris Pittman. Campbell yeah. can't stay healthy, you know. Right. Just do it. So, all right. Darius Slayton, we will see if he gets moved or if he stays put. All right. Those were my five fake trades. The only guy, there was one name that I didn't get to where I, I went Montgomery. Should a team trade for Antonio Gibson? What do you think? They they you know don't like him. They get Brian yeah. Robinson back. When I watch him, I'm like, he looks like a pretty good player. Like I almost put him the same conversation I had with Montgomery. I was like, maybe Gibson should be the guy I should stick in here. Do you do you have a strong opinion Ooh, one way I, or another on Gibson? I would really, I would really like to see that. You know, he's okay. another guy, honestly, like on the Bills or or the Chiefs. Like, yeah, they need a little bit of juice at the running back position. Um, I'm I would say I'm I would not say I love Antonio Gibson as a pure running back. I think he offers more as like a all-purpose, right? Like an down. all-purpose yeah. playmaker. Obviously, he was a receiver in college. I know that's like the biggest talking point of his entire career. But to me, he's not a grinded out, carry the ball twenty times, you know, stick between the tackles and and like pick up hard yards, push the pile. He's not that type of guy to me. And I think that's actually why Washington doesn't really like him. And you know, they've made Brian Robinson the starter. Um, like immediately after he came back from the gunshot injuries. And so I think they want a guy, I think Washington wants a guy like Robinson who's just going to like pick a hole, get down, get downhill, you know, get the hard yards, all that stuff. And that to me is not really what Antonio Gibson is. But when you see him like accelerate, you're like, okay, yeah, this guy can do something. Yeah. Like, give him a swing pass, give him a little uh, check down, let him get more involved in the passing game because I think he's a pretty good pass catcher. Um, and I think he could definitely, there's some meat on the bone there for this guy. He's not like, to me, he's not, not a lost cause. So I'm hundred percent with you. Get him on a team that's going to creatively, like use him creatively, creatively, creatively. Um, <laughs> and you know, I think he could definitely be of value to them. And not, you know, again, it's like, he's not going to be expensive in, in the current, like running back market. So, yeah. If I were a GM, I would have a, uh, I would either I would do it myself or have someone on my staff just have like a doghouse list, like read all these reports <laughs> yes. and be like, yes. which coach hates which player? Because there's value there. Like sometimes they're really good players and they need a change of scenery and you can get them for not that much. And it works out like with the Montgomery thing. I was thinking of, uh, you know, the Eagles, their Super Bowl year trade for Jay Ajayi. And he was seen as like a malcontent in mm. Miami. And they got him and he was awesome for them. And like everybody in the locker room liked him and there was no issue uh, at all. If you can identify those guys, I think you can get some value. All right. Those were all the guys. Those were the trades. Let's take a quick break and then we'll finish it off with some mailbag questions. Now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Join today and get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. That's free bets back. If your bet doesn't win, just sign up with promo code RINGER 
NFL. You can, of course, read my picks against the spread on theringer.com. I like the Chiefs to cover at San Francisco this week. Also like the Falcons to beat that spread against the Cincinnati Bengals. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. You can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. With live betting, you'll get updated odds on games that have already started. Get paid your winnings fast. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Don't fumble your chance to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, with promo code RINGERNFL. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable. Free bets that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee, 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming, or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice cold reward because you are a fighter and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodelo.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. We are back on the scramble. You can, of course, submit your mailbag questions to me on Twitter every week, or you can email the scramble mailbag at gmail.com. That's the scramble mailbag at gmail.com. Always love hearing from the listeners. First question, Jonathan. Hey, guys. It feels to me like rookies from recent draft classes are entering the league and making more of an immediate impact than we've seen in the past, like Micah Parsons being one of the best, if not the best linebackers in the league last season on Sauce Gardner. He's already looking like a Pro Bowl level cornerback. Where would you place him among current cornerbacks? And what were the Texans thinking 
taking Stingley <laughs> over him. Thanks and love the show. Any thoughts? Yeah. Stingley so, and Sauce. How did you see those two going into the love draft? Love me some Sauce. Love Sauce. I mean, I'm actually okay. going to pull up my draft guide. I think I might have had, I can't remember who I had in front of whom, but they're both like top 10 players for me. Uh, yeah. Let's see. I had Sauce Gardner ranked at number five. I had Derek Stingley ranked at number six. So obviously, I if I was in that position, probably would have taken Sauce. That's fine. I think Derek Stingley is going to be fine, just to say that. Um, I think probably with Stingley, they were thinking, you know, playing in a bigger division, playing uh, against like, you know, much higher competition at LSU, like what he did early on in his career at LSU was like extremely, extremely rare. He has the size, physicality, everything basically you're looking for. So I don't know. Like to me, like the Texans not going sauce over Stingley, that's not like a huge mistake, at least. Um, I don't think it will be in the long term, but obviously right now, sauce is just balling out. So um, we could definitely make that determination. But either way, I think both players are going to be good in the long run. So to to answer that, I had sauce a little bit higher, but I don't, you know, I don't say, I don't think the Texans made a massive mistake in going uh, with Stingley over sauce. Yeah, I agree. I I thought it was defensible. I I could see it with Stingley. It was more a matter, can he stay healthy than anything else and I think he's going to be a really good player if he does stay healthy Sauce has been fun Sauce has been one of the stories really of the first six weeks of the season I love the fit with him on the Jets too it just feels right uh, in that market it gives their fan base someone to just kind of get behind and be like all right, this is going to be our guy for the next uh, seven eight years or whatever and he's been awesome I mean he you know uh, Jonathan asks where would you place him among current cornerbacks I would have to give that some thought Um, you know I would it feels like he's already a top 10 corner uh, in the in the NFL, honestly, based on the first uh, six weeks of the season, and you could probably make a case his performance so far has been top five. So yeah, like an All Pro season as a rookie corner. Shoot, I would have to look up how many guys have done that. It feels like it's really hard to do for corners. Usually, even good corners come in and take their lumps. And hey, maybe that'll happen uh, as, as we get a bigger sample. But so far, he has been outstanding. All right. Yeah. So I, I was just looking at the list of like, if you had to jot down like a list of top corners, like Patrick Sertan, Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey, yeah. yeah Those two like, I think would be my first team all pros right now, probably. Yeah, and then you got guys like Darius Slade, James Bradbury, both playing well this year. Yeah. Uh, Jamil Dean for the Bucks, um, And then like, you know, maybe this is legacy guys, but like Stephon Gilmore, Marlon Humphrey. Those, those are some of the top receivers. And then, and then of course we got Trevon Diggs for the Cowboys. A.J. Yeah. Terrell has not played very well for the Falcons. I haven't watched him closely, but the numbers don't look good. Um, and so there's there's a lot of, I would say, high-end corners. J.C. Horn's been playing well for the Panthers. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of guys. In fact, there's actually several rookie corners that are playing very well. I'd say Sauce is by far the standout, but um, Tariq, Tariq Woolen. Tariq Woolen, boy, Seahawks. yeah, your guy. He's been awesome. Like, legitimately... Shades of Richard Sherman rookie season, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, and I don't say that lightly because Richard Sherman is obviously like a Hall of Famer. Um, but like what Tariq Woolen is doing, I think he has six takeaways um, in six games, so that's good. Four yeah. four picks, and I believe a couple of forced fumbles. Or um, not sure exactly. I, I just remember seeing that stat: six takeaways, six forced uh, turnovers. So um, yeah, but uh, to me, like sauces, he was a. Uh, Pick it and forget, like, no no doubt pick that early in the draft, and he's already yeah. living up to it. Those numbers for his college, like, just this, this coverage stats on him, we're like, I'm like, I've never seen anything like this. Wow, what a performance. So he's been awesome. All right, Garrett asks, Hey, Shio, loving the show so far. I want to get your thoughts on the Chargers offense so far this year, and who's to blame for how bad it's been? Is this on Herbert and his injury, 
Brandon Staley becoming conservative, or Lombardi's play calling being awful. Keep up the good work. Uh, I can start on this one. Yeah. The Chargers statistically do not have a, have a terrible offense. I mean, if you look at EPA per drive, they're ninth right now. They're in the top 10. That's with Keenan Allen being out for so long. That's with Herbert dealing with the rib injury. That's with you lost Rayshon Slater at left tackle. Huge, Corey Lindsley, yep. the all-pro center, hasn't been playing. So I liked, I, I thought about this this week. Like this, They're really the offense where the eye test, eye test doesn't match the statistics. I mean, it was last year too. They had a top five offense. If you, I don't know if it was DVOA or EPA per drive, whatever. They had a top five offense and like smart football people were going, what are they doing here? And my issue has been, is that Herbert, his rookie year, like I watched him and I just go, oh my gosh, like I love that. I can't wait to watch this guy for the next 10 years. He's amazing. Look at what mm-hmm. he's able to do. They found a way to make Justin Herbert boring, really, this year. I mean, that game on Monday night against the Broncos, I was falling asleep on this chair. So so weird. I had to do a pod with Solak after it. I'm like, all right, snap out of it, Sheil. You got to be, you know, you got to be taking those, paying attention. (laughs) I'm like, I should be so excited. So, like, I was thinking about it because Sunday you had Mahomes versus Allen and you're just like, this is awesome. Oh, my gosh. Like, any, any possession, any play, they could do anything. And Herbert's talent, I legitimately believe, is right on the level of those guys. And then you're watching him. And again, he, he is dealing with a rib injury. So it's hard to know uh, what the deal is there, but uh, it's just a boring offense. It's not as yep. bad statistically as it looks as you're watching it, but just in terms of shoot, are you really maximizing this guy's skill set? It's like impossible to watch them and think the answer to that question uh, is yes. So I, I don't know where, where are you with man? Jo- poor Joe Lombardi. I hope his family like doesn't go on Twitter. The guy just gets crushed every <laughs> time they're on national TV. But h- how do you feel about Herbert and the Chargers offense? Yeah, I feel, I mean, basically I think you nailed it. They're not bad per se. I think it's just a expectations versus reality thing because Herbert is a unicorn physically, you know what I mean? Like as a passer and his ability to, he's has some of the most ridiculous throws. You, it's like him and him and Mahomes and Allen have the most yeah. ridiculous throws of any player in the NFL. And you see these throws where he's like 50 yards downfield, like to the far side of the like field to the opposite. You know what I mean? It's just like all these throws are just ridiculous. So to look up and see that he has a 6.8 average depth of target, which is, right in line with Matt Ryan and Matt Stafford and Kirk Cousins and Daniel Jones and 25th in the NFL. It's like, what are we doing here? Um, So I think to me, the biggest like issue or like the reason people are disappointed with what is actually like a been a good offense in terms of efficiency. It's just like the big plays are not happening like they used to. And I mean, I remember last year, just off the top of my head, every time it seems like you look up during red zone, Mike Williams is catching a pass 50 yards down the field, you know? And this year, it's just like dink and dunk, dink and dunk, dink and dunk. This is a, um, you know, this is something that's happening across the entire NFL. But this team in particular is sort of been, you know, even worse than average and even worse than expected. So to me, that was actually why I threw out Slayton for the Chargers. I'm like, just get them somebody that can like take the lead off the defense. Um, That's better than mine. Yeah, I want to. I'm changing mine. I like yours better. Slayton to the Chargers. (laughs) (laughs) I think so. We had talked about uh, potentially Robbie Anderson to the Chargers before he got (laughs) traded to the Cardinals. So just somebody in that mold who is going to like threaten defenses and actually be like a legit somebody. Somebody that defense actually just have to pay attention to because you know Josh Palmer I think is a good possession receiver and underneath an intermediate guy. He has strong hands. He's big, physical, all that. But he's not going to take the top of a defense. Um, 
And then, you know, if you have teams being able to tilt their coverage towards Mike Williams with Keenan Allen out, like it's just kind of limits what you can do. And yeah. so, I don't know. I think, you know, getting a, a little bit more speed in that offense could help, but it's sort of the nature of the beast right now. Like the NFL, across the NFL, there's just not a lot of super explosive offenses, even like Mahomes. Yeah. And, you know, like I was looking at Mahomes, his deep or his percentage of throws over 20 air yards is like eight. Like mm. everything is dink and dunk right now. Yeah. So, you know, it's just this is kind of the NFL we live in right now, and this and I think they're they're like an they're an extreme example of it because it's just like this is just hard to watch at times. Yeah, absolutely. All right, last one. Let's get to this one uh, quickly. Max asks, "Who's more to blame for the Broncos' offense at this point? Is it Russell's Russell Wilson's play or Nathaniel Hackett's play calling?" I tend to put more of this on Hackett. You are the uh, perfect person to ask. I've watched every <laughs> Russell Wilson game, every minute of every Russell Wilson game, I would imagine, yep, yep. in his career. Like, just uh, what has your feeling been like watching this version of Russell Wilson this year? It's like an out-of-body experience where you're like, <laughs> oh, now Broncos fans know my experience. I, I do think that Russell Wilson has been worse than he was with the Seahawks, generally speaking. 100%. And, um, you know, because... They're learning a new offense or ostensibly a new offense. They're he's learning new players. Like just, just everybody's getting used to each other. These type things, these things tend to take a lot of time to like get everybody on the same page. Like the margins in NFL offenses are so small if you're like off, not on the same page with everybody. Um, you know, that just makes a big deal. We saw that early in the year when like the play clock kept running down to like one every freaking play. It's because yeah. you just not a what they're just not a well-oiled machine right now. Um, but at the same time, honestly, like stylistically, Russell Wilson doesn't look all that different to me. Like this, this is something. This is something that we saw a lot during his years with the Seahawks. Even when you're really efficient, even when he had like, if you look at his stat line at the end of the game, it's like, oh, he was 15 of 20 for or 204 yards, three touchdowns, and no picks. You know, like this is like just an example. But um, like you look at that stat line and you're like, oh, he's very efficient. And then when you, but if you watch the game, it's like you want to pull your hair out. Because they're going three and out seventy five percent of the time, <laughs> you know what I mean. And then yeah. these games are these plays and games are just punctuated by like big plays by Russell Wilson. The only problem is the big plays aren't happening right now. So I think to me the the difference is this Russell Wilson this version of him is is inferior than what he was at his peak, but stylistically it's not all that different. Like Russell Wilson, you're going to expect a lot of three and outs. You're going to expect a lot of frustration, but the big plays kind of over. You know they they weigh more because and in the game and just like in your perception. So like that was just that that was kind of where Russell Wilson's perception came. So like from my point of view, Russell Wilson's always been a frustrating quarterback to watch. Um, his offensive always his offenses have always been frustrated, frustrating. And generally over the years, we've placed the blame on Pete Carroll versus yeah. Russell Wilson. I think we're starting to see like there's some common denominators here. It's not all Pete Carroll, um, or maybe it was more Russell Wilson. Who knows? Obviously, yeah. there's 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 been stretches during Russell Wilson's career where he looks like just the most elite quarterback I've ever seen in my life. But those stretches are kind of were kind of short lived, and more often than not, to me, I was just like, this offense is, is sucks to watch. <laughs> like, if yeah. I'm being totally honest, like the vast majority of the Russell Wilson <laughs> era, I hated that offense. <laughs> if I'm oh being totally God. honest, so I think um, I do think that they will get it together. I think they'll get better, and I think they'll get more, you know, on the same page, well oiled machine. But man, the, the growing pains are definitely apparent right now. 
Yeah, it's. Uh, I didn't think the floor would be this low. Like you could have sold me on, hey, he's older, he can't scramble as much. They're going to be mediocre, and I would have said, yeah, okay, if he's like the 16th best quarterback in the NFL, that wouldn't shock me. I mean, they've had one of the three or four worst offenses in the NFL. He doesn't look accurate. He can't move at all, but he tries to move. The pressure is affecting him to such a great degree, which again, like you said, there were times in Seattle where, yeah, he would do the thing that every quarterback is taught not to do, where your eyes drop and you're kind of mm-hmm. like looking around and then you look back up and you, he throws it, throws a bomb downfield. But he was, I mean, we had a 10 year sample of him doing that. And most, you know, eight out of 10 years, they had a top 10 offense. And so I was just like, all right, that's the most likely outcome. And it's just been such a disaster. And, you know, the, the locker room stuff, the connection with teammates, like that to me, I, I felt didn't matter if the offense was playing well and the team was winning. But now when you're in a new spot and the offense sucks and, you know, and and now that that's still happening, uh, it's just a really messy, ugly situation. Now he's got the hamstring injury. So we'll see where they yeah. go from there. But that uh, does yeah, not n- help matters because we've no. seen it when he plays hurt. It's it's a very different story. It's ugly. Yes, it's yeah. terrible. All right, Danny Kelly, what do you have to to plug for our audience? All right, check out the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Um, we do that four times a week. Check out the Ringer Fantasy Football rankings at theringer.com. We, if you want to start advice, that is a great place to go. You can sort by position. You can sort by uh, format. So like PPR, standard, or half PPR. And then check out the rewatchables. I did the rewatchables this week for mm. Pineapple Express with Craig and, and Danny Heifetz. So yeah, check those out. There you go. This, the man is just producing content at an epic <laughs> level. Love having him on the scramble. We'll definitely have him on later this season. Once again, thanks to Danny Kelly for joining me. Thanks to Mike Wargon for producing additional production supervision by Connor Nevins and Arjuna Ramgopal. Stay tuned tomorrow for the Ringer NFL preview show on this feed. And I will talk to everybody next week.